Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Today we are interviewing Andrew Patrick from the band The Carolyn. Unfortunately, Jamie is unable to join us tonight because he let too much laundry pile up and his fiance wasn't too happy with him. So now he is grounded. So it's just me today. Let's get into it. Welcome, guys. Here's another episode of In the Core, a music podcast. Today joining me is Andrew Patrick of the band The Carolyn. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. We're excited to have you. So uh, tell us a little bit about The Carolyn. Well, it started as a solo project of mine, I want to say in the fall of 2016. And maybe midway through 2017, I had a more like solidified lineup with Dave and Ollie. We've been inseparable ever since. (laughs) Just a three-piece punk band from Atlanta, Georgia. Killer. So we usually start this off kind of light. We ask a bunch of random questions that really have nothing to do with the band, but just kind of helps loosen us up and get the show started. I'm here for it. Awesome. They don't have to be rapid fire or anything like that. Sure. That's usually Jamie's line. I'm trying to fill in for him. So let's start easy. What's your favorite color? It's cliche to say, but black. It's utilitarian. Kind of goes well on everything, so I'm going to say that. Hey, it's all right. I'm right there with you, man. Tacos or sushi? Tacos. Where's your favorite place to get tacos at? Currently, it's this place that translates to the golden sheep in English. I can't pronounce it in Spanish. Uh, Fortunate enough to live on a street that's uh, predominantly Hispanic. And uh, yeah, it's this place really close to my house that's awesome. And they have great everything, but especially tacos. Always awesome when it's authentic. It just hits different. I live in Marietta, Georgia. It's, it's about 30 minutes north of Atlanta. All right. I might have to check that out next time I'm rolling through it's Georgia. Amazing. There's a lot of good uh, Mexican food here, if that's your thing. Oh, absolutely. What was your favorite time in history that you'd like to travel to, if you could? Travel to? That was a really great question. Probably, <laughs> this is a maybe a lame answer. Probably back in the 90s, things were simpler, and my style of music was actually commercially viable. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that decade. Uh, you know, I can agree with that in a sense. I'm starting to become one of those people where I'm like, oh, it was so much better when I was a kid. We used to drink from hoses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll never be that way. And it's like, oh, no, definitely the 90s were the best time. For sure. This question wasn't initially intended, but what was your favorite TV show in the 90s? Hmm. That's an awesome question. Well, maybe this is a two-parter for lack of a better term. As a kid, I loved Goosebumps. That was what I watched. It was that age appropriate show. I don't think now as I approach 30, that was the best show of the 90s. My favorite 90s show is uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's what I watched as as a child. Nice. Yeah, that was such a transitional time in TV where Mm -hmm. I feel like people started caring more about deeper plots and stuff like that. For sure, for sure. Well, actually, I'm going to change my answer. F Twin Peaks, I don't know if I can curse on here, but uh, <laughs> the, the Sopranos, that's my answer. Because I think that's 98, 99. To your point, that's when people really started getting more invested into more serious plot lines, I feel like. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we can thank TV today from just the development and acting and stuff like that. Agreed. During that time period. But maybe that's just me being one of those old men now. Sure. But yeah, yeah, definitely would like to travel back into the 90s, get our windbreakers on and put on some rollerblades and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, again, a cliche answer. I don't know. Flight seems pretty gnarly. That seems cool. You know what? Yeah. You ever have those flying dreams and you figure out how to fly in a dream and you're just so disappointed when you wake up and none of it's real? No, that sounds awesome. I have dreams I'm falling, which oh, is man. the antithesis. <laughs> so nightmares. I don't have dreams. I have nightmares. <laughs> Start focusing, be like, oh, I can fly now. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, flight is a cool one. What was your worst job and what made it terrible? And how did you quit unless you're in it right now? <laughs> I feel like jobs are exactly that. They're jobs. So nothing is, I don't know. I could complain about a lot, but probably my worst job was my first one, which was being a fry cook at Chick-fil-A of all places. Did not love working in fast food. I'll just leave it at that. I can imagine when you're working in a place like that, people are at their worst when they want something, mm -hmm. if their order comes out wrong or anything like that. So I can imagine I worked at Publix and it wasn't a terrible experience, but every now and then you just, there was nothing that you could do right. And a customer, no matter what you did or how you did it, they just weren't satisfied with their experience. Sure. That sounds like Publix clientele. I, I'm a Kroger shopper, so I'm not entitled. <laughs> uh, so you're not a big pub sub guy, huh? Honestly, not really. I mean, they're fine. I just, I don't know. I find Publix to be uh, overpriced and I don't know. I love Kroger, man. I'm a weirdo. What is your favorite piece of gear that you own, music-wise? I'm probably going to say my 2010 Gibson Les Paul Jr. I think that's the, the one thing I would take to the grave with me. All right, so if your whole tire uh, setup got stolen, that's the one thing that you'd want to find still intact? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I had to pick. And ironically, it's I don't play it very much. There's just some sort of, I don't know, magic to it, for lack of a better term. I just, I love that guitar. I love everything about it. Got some nostalgic value to it. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a sentimental thing. Do you have any hobbies outside of music? No. <laughs> I'm actually just a, <laughs> just a boring dude. I like to eat food a lot and drink hopefully not a lot but yeah i'm i'm a simple guy dude cornflakes kind of guy i like music uh i like going out i like watching college football occasionally and yeah i don't i don't really do a lot i love to travel obviously yeah i'm boring <laughs> nah man music in itself is creative outlet it's playing shows is probably the most fun experience I've ever had in my entire life is just going and playing a show and it could be for like three people or it could be for 50 because I don't play for that many people. Sure. You know, you, you and me both brother. Music is just so much fun. All right. So let's get uh, more into the Carolyn. Now, what do you do in the band? I play guitar and I am one of the vocalists slash songwriters in the band. How did you get into music? I knew from a pretty young age that, you know, hearkening back to earlier conversation, Blink actually, uh, uh, when I was a kid, they were sort of at the height of their popularity. And, and I just remember the first time I heard Enema, I was like, yeah, my life's totally different now. This is the best music ever. Yeah, that sort of changed what was important to me. I think I got my first instrument when I was in third grade and stopped getting better at my instrument probably around fourth grade. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it was at an early age. Uh, what instrument was that? Guitar. Wait, <laughs> you stopped getting better. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get any better. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's I, I have the same prowess now at almost thirty that I did when I was however old. Man, so I gotta say, you must have just got incredible in one year because after listening to your tracks 
I gotta say, it's it's pretty sick. So don't. Well, that's that's very that's very nice of you to say. The good news is this style of music is super easy to play. <laughs> you only really need to know. Again, cliche to say, but you know, three or four chords, and you basically got it. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it. It's four chords. It's something that everybody's familiar with, and it's something that even though it is only four chords, you're able to when you add leads and vocals and stuff like that. It really just you can change the shape of those four chords. To me, the strict parameters are what make it interesting. A lot of my like friends who are into different styles of music would disagree. I feel like if you're told that you can only sort of use X, Y, and Z to stay within the confines of a genre, but you can somehow make your song sound fresh and interesting, that's vastly more interesting to me, or impressive rather, than anything in the metal genre. I mean, not to talk smack, but I just, <laughs> if you if I can walk away from your song humming and you're not doing a whole lot and it make an impact, that's just 20 times cooler than, I don't know, anything Steve I has ever done. So it's funny that you say that I love metal, but also I just, when I just need to like veg or something like that, just going back to those pop punk songs, there's just something about it. Well, sure. I mean, I mean, I'm all, I'm all about songwriting. So even though I'm being somewhat flippant, I cut my teeth on metal as well. And some of my favorite bands are, are, are metal bands. Yeah, it, for me, any band, regardless of the genre, I have to connect with them on a songwriting level. Like right. one of my favorite bands is, is Devil Driver. Oh, and yeah. I feel like, you know, their first three or four records doesn't really feel like a collection of riffs like many metal bands do. It feels like a collection of cool parts, but they don't feel like songs. Whereas... A band like Devil Driver doesn't feel that way. I clearly know what a verse, a chorus, a bridge is, uh, jives together really well. So anyway, it was a, probably a long-winded answer that had nothing to do with what you were asking. But <laughs> No, no, I can agree with you. I feel like there was a time period, especially around like the 2010 period, where everybody was just kind of showing how good they were at their instrument. I hate it, dude. It's not a sport. It's really <laughs> not. I, I, it's, it's a huge sore spot with me. I can't stand that, that crap, really. Yeah, I feel like it's backed off a little bit. Even some of the more technical bands now are kind of backing off. There's this band I love, Protest the Hero, and first couple albums, which I still love them, it was, there was like no choruses and all the verses were different. And now they're starting to incorporate choruses and refrains and stuff like that. And I feel like the evolution of songwriting has just blown up within the genre. Sure. Well, a band like that, I mean, Again, you know, there's no one silver bullet or formula like one of my favorite punk bands deviates from traditional song structures. But to memory serves, Protest the Hero was always still really interesting from yes, a melodic yes. standpoint. There was something I could walk away that was palpable or memorable or whatever. But I mean, it's hard for me to think of a think of an example right off the top of my head. But a lot of stuff in the more like extreme subgenres of metal literally just feels like a masturbatory collection of, of risks for six minutes. And I just can't get on board with that. I agree. And Rody, if you're listening, I love everything that your band's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. That simple structure, getting back just four chords, something relatable. When I was listening to your songs, I didn't realize how short they were until after I was done. And I was like, oh man, one of those was only a minute and 40 seconds long, but you did everything that you needed to for the song. Yeah. I don't know if I intentionally make songs short, but it, for whatever reason, if if I'm not sort of in that neighborhood, this song never makes it to like rehearsal or whatever. Like it's just I feel like I'm outstaying my welcome or doing something wrong. So my best work is definitely in in the two minutes at most sphere of things. 
I, I dig it. Actually, um, Silverstein did an album a while back where it was called Short Songs, and I don't think any of them were over two minutes. Yeah, especially these days. It's like, I, I don't understand the point. For our genre of music, at least, like, why would it be longer than that? Yeah, definitely. It felt like a whole song, and then I looked at it at the end, and I was like, oh, man, this was really short. Where did you guys get the name The Carolyn? Yeah, I get this one a lot. And again, not a very interesting story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, basically, when Peter and I, our producer, got in bed together, for lack of a better term, uh, I didn't have a name. I, he was just, he really liked some songs that I, that I was writing at the time. And, you know, he was, he was going to sign me, but it was every week it felt like I was just putting off actually giving him a name of this project. And he called me one day, I was walking back from class and he goes, dude, I can't take this anymore. You, you need to give me a band name like now. <laughs> and so I, lo- I, I looked up and it was the building that I maybe partied a little bit too hard in in college and the, the building name is the Carolyn. I'm like, okay, we're calling it this. And he goes, all right, thanks. And hung up the phone. And then, then uh, that was, that was it. So not an interesting story, not nothing cool, a lame origin story, but that's how the band uh, was, was named. But you know what? It's still, um, it's, it's more interesting than like an ex-girlfriend or something like that, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If people, it's, it's like a, I always thought it was cool. Like a lot of my favorite bands are named after a physical place. And I don't know if that really gets translated to the, the 50 people who even know we exist. But yeah, the Carolyn is actually a, a, a building uh, as opposed to a, a person. There we go. Okay. Cause I'm thinking I've only met one Carolyn in my entire life, I would say. And I think she went by Carrie anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was psycho. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have favorite albums that change all the time, but what were the top three albums that you would say inspired you and influenced you to be the songwriter you are now? Man. Um, the songwriter I am now. Yeah. I don't know if I could refine that into three records because I, I don't know, man, I, my music taste is kind of all over the place, but I'll try to give you three. If it goes over, like, I, sh- I shouldn't have. I, well, <laughs> I no, no, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. It's a great question. It's just for me, the only ones I could maybe sort of, um, answer honestly are the ones that was like, yes, like I want to play guitar and try to write songs for the rest of my life. You know, I could eat that for sure. I want to say from here to in, to infirmary by the alkaline trio was a major, major influence All right. on what I do. And as much as I don't want to admit it, I have to give credit to Blink 182's Enema of the State, just because that was my introduction to melodic punk, punk in quotes. I mean, it, it, I did really care one way or another about that band too much now but uh yeah that was just like i heard that i think it was five or six and i was like what is this and it was the first cd i ever owned so um that one for sure and then i want to say with a walmart gift card when i was also (laughs) a young child i bought misfits collection too okay i was like dude this is clearly the best genre of music so yeah, I'm going to say those three. I don't know how much I stand behind them, but that's that's what I'm picking right now. It's funny you say that because music taste changed, uh, changes all the time, all the time, yeah, all the time, dude. I'm into those bands just as like I'm into Lady Gaga just as much as I'm into those bands. So I listen, but my music taste makes no sense at all. 
No, but it, I mean, it, you pull influences from everything. And sure. like some of the bands that I listened to when I first started playing guitar, uh, I don't really even listen to anymore. Sure. Same. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up on all, well, I call it dad rock. The kids I teach now call what I li- uh, listen to, like uh, they call Blink and and like uh, Fall Out Boy and stuff, dad music, if you can believe that. Good you know? God. I want to jump in traffic <laughs> at that thought. They're not, and the sad part is they're not even that, like they're not right yet, but they're about to be correct. And what they're saying is the really sad part. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm 32 and, you know, there's people my age who have families already. And I'm just like, you know what? They're, it's pretty close to dad music. But I mean, I would listen to what I would call dad music was what my dad listened to, like Aerosmith and, you know, Van Halen and stuff like that. And just I always thought that guitar playing was interesting. But when I heard stuff like the the first band that ever made me want to play guitar was Godsmack, which is crazy to me now because I don't even (laughs) listen to them anymore. But I was just like, well, what's crazy, man, getting back to songwriting, like I'm not totally in love with uh, that style of music, but. I think Awake came on the radio the other day. Yeah. And like this is kind of from like a pop perspective. It's kind of interesting. So yeah, I'm not into that band per se, but, but yeah, good songs are good songs. That's right. That, I mean, exactly. So just from what you were saying, like, you know, not listening to the same style of music anymore, but there's something that just gets your foot in the door. And then I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to start listening to what my friends are listening to instead of, you know, what my parents are listening to. And that's like when I started finding stuff like Green Day and uh, like Fallout Boy and stuff. And the best part about it was is like some of it, I like pop punk, I didn't even really want to like at first. And then I was just like, this is just so good. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's how I felt about uh, the first big uh, My Chem record when, when I was a wannabe elitist tween. Um, yeah, like, like it, it, I don't care what anyone says, Three Cheers has great, great pop choruses on it. A really, really uh, memorable record for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, what are you currently jamming to right now? Currently, I've been listening to a lot of Iron Sheik lately. I, I was like them as a teenager or whatever, but I, I've been revisiting their music a lot more now. And uh, really good melodic punk, definitely in the same vein. I've been listening to Reviver. I think I don't know which one I started revisiting first, but one of the two made me think of the other. So. Uh, I've been listening to those bands a lot. And then um, for better or for worse, uh, one of my all-time favorite bands is uh, Rammstein. <laughs> they they just put out a new record. So I, I started listening to uh, to that today. Yeah, I just uh, saw I'm a, that. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of, of their music. And I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, dude, it's, it's so 80. I mean, it's all over the place. Oh, I've been listening to Wheeler Walker Jr. because he's fucking hilarious. So yeah, I can see that your influence are definitely all over the place, which is cool. I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. So let's talk about the first track. What song are we going to be listening to first? I believe it's Munchausen by Praxis, which comes out tomorrow, believe it or not. Oh, cool. So by the time this is out, everybody will have heard it and they'll be stoked for us to be talking about it. Yeah, that is a short song as well. <laughs> so tell me about the inspiration of that song where did the name come from 
Well, the name came from Ollie, the other songwriter and uh, bass player of the band. I'll just come out and say it. Like, we are horrible at making titles for anything. And half the time, they're super arbitrary. Like, it, it may have no connection to lyrics at all. And I think this somewhat falls in that category. But I think it's a pun. I think the syndrome is Munchausen by proxy. And right. I want to say that has, you probably know more than I, has something to do with like wanting the person you're taking care of to be sick, like faking. It's, it's some manipulation thing. Uh, right, I, right. Dude, honestly, dude, I'm not well read. I don't know these things, but <laughs> my, uh, Ollie was like, Hey, let's call it this. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And as far as inspiration goes, I, I don't totally recall. I just had a chorus that I thought was pretty catchy, but in a structure overall, but couldn't really take the song to the finish line for lack of a better phrase and able to come up with a verse melody and lyrics. And so I kind of let him take the reins on that portion of the song. So I'm usually really critical about everything we do, but I'm pretty proud of how this one turned out. I am going to pull that up now. I'm not as well versed on zoom as Jamie is. So I'm going to make sure I'm, I'll double check that you can hear the sound of it as well, which here's the share sound button. All right. You think that after a year of doing <laughs> online teaching, Listen, I would be, I'm so far from judging you, man. I, I feel like I'm a, from a very different generation when it comes to technology. So um, it's a miracle. I can even get logged in on zoom, frankly. <laughs> all right. I'm going to have you introduce this because I know I'm going to stumble all over this. Uh, so uh, go ahead and in your best radio voice, introduce this track. Okie dokie. Uh, hey, it's Andrew from the Carolyn. This song is called Munchausen by Praxis. It's on our upcoming album, Rhythm of My Own Decay. Awesome, awesome track. I love it. Thank you. Like I said, man, it's short, but it just, it has so much. You know, you got your verses, you got your chorus, you got some sick leads in there, and, and you package it all in a minute and 40 seconds. I'm so impressed with it. I really appreciate you saying that. We definitely try not to outstay our welcome. 
<laughs> I like it. Yeah. And that's something if I was turning on the radio and I caught that, I'd be like, I have to know what this song is. You know, it's just, del- I don't know. It just delivers. No, I appreciate it. Once again, it really means a lot. So you said that track is coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How'd you go about the recording process for it? It was sort of business as usual for us. Like uh, all our records are made with my dear friend, Peter Catalano from Roswell, Georgia. And uh, yeah, uh, this one we actually just did in his basement. It was in a post-vaccine world, so we were all vaccinated, but it was still kind of strange because we were clearly coming out of quarantine. But yeah, it was really, really humble process for us. Yeah, I can imagine. COVID, man, what a weird time for music. Yeah, well, especially as a struggling local band. <laughs> right. And you said you had started in 2016 and stuff. Mm-hmm. So had you guys been playing a lot of shows beforehand? Well, yeah. I mean, we really, really starting to ramp up probably three or so months, not even before everything shut down. So that was a real blow for lack of a better term. I mean, it sucked. I mean, just there's no other way around it. I mean, everything just stopped. And we've actually been talking about this a a lot recently. A lot of the bands that we've been talking to were like either starting before it or trying to do something when the pandemic was starting. And it just, we just lost music for a little bit there, you know? Um, It's something that I didn't realize how much I took for granted. and And I didn't realize how much I missed live music and live shows until. Yeah. It happened. It was really hard for us to sort of stay inspired throughout the whole thing because it was just like, you know, if everybody's dying. Right. As much as we love this, it's 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 a little bit hard to care about pop punk songs right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then I mean, you know, getting together, especially when it first started, we didn't know how big it was. Um so getting together to record, I mean, it's it seems like a risk. Yeah. And, and again, fortunately, we, we made this record after we were all vaccinated. It, it was still a strange experience because we were so, you know, we were locked indoors for however long. I mean, we were all, you know, still wearing masks and socially distant. And maybe that was the the aspect of it that still it was, it was kind of bizarre. It's like, was this how we're going to make records the rest of our lives? Who knows? But yeah, it was a great experience, but it was it, it definitely felt weird in that regard. So when did you guys start developing this one then, if you were recording it after quarantine? I want to say a decent amount of the songs were written and rehearsed pre-COVID. Probably about half the record, but honestly, man, like a lot of it was just, you know, written written in our bedrooms and and it entailed sending voice memos back and forth. You know, Ollie and I used to do that all day long. Like, hey, I got an idea for this song. And honestly, that's how a good majority of the, the lyrics for this record were written. You know, we'd like... I'd, I'd, you know, send him a iMessage or something and it would be the chorus and I would have like sort of half, half the lyrics or something, but I have the melody fleshed out and he would send me back a draft of lyrics and be like, nah, change this around. And, and we would just go through that billion times until something was, you know, completely fleshed out. Just the way people were doing music and stuff like that. It's just so interesting. The development and songs and stuff like that. It didn't come from jamming. So, yeah, I I definitely see that. Uh, so was this one one of those voice memo songs or is this something that you guys actually had pretty much wrapped up before? Um, I want to say I had sort of had like the the meat and potatoes of this one, sort of, if, if that's the appropriate <laughs> uh, <laughs> metaphor written. Like I had 
the structure and I, and I had a chorus I was pretty confident in, but whenever, again, dude, all the days blur together, but whenever we were in the rehearsal space, it was really just a matter of like fleshing out the grooves, what we, how we wanted to have the drums push the song along. And then I don't really recall feeling confident in any verse or whatever that we came up with at the time. So it was a matter of saying, okay, Ollie, go home, write a verse. I, I need you on this one. And then it was, came back next practice. So it was like, yeah, I like everything you're doing. So now the song's done. Have you had a chance to play it live since it's been recorded? Yeah. Well, now, now that things are opened back up, honestly, the, the majority of our set now is the new record, which is kind of weird because most of it's unreleased and people don't know the songs at all. But yeah, that we usually open with this one. Oh, cool. I had a question. Let me, uh, uh it'll come back to me probably by the time, uh, it, we wrap up and stuff. I'll be like, "Oh, that's what it's, I wanted it's, to it's ask." It's all good, homie. I'll forget <laughs> vodka soda right now. So <laughs> uh, you're relaxing right now. You just said you finished up the semester too, right? It took a part of my soul, my friend. What What'd you major in? Um, this go around because this is my third time being in college. I am trying to get into the nursing program in the uh, little humble community college next to my house. Cool, cool. And so you finished the semester. Are you done or is there more more to go? I am done with all of my prerequisite uh, science courses. So now if everything goes according to plan, which I think it will, I'll be starting again in the fall and be doing clinicals and all that. Yeah, you're done with A&P 1 and 2 or whatever you have to take. And Really killed me. I actually, you know what, I actually enjoyed in quotes a and p it was it was really the microbiology courses that kind of just i was like what am i doing with my life this is horrible oh there's just so many terms that you you have to remember yeah and my caveman brain is not capable (laughs) of remembering said terms so but you made it yeah but they but they took mercy on me i don't know if i made it but they they spared me so yeah, at least now you'll be in your practice and stuff like that. And um, I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you can put all your energy back towards music, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's jump into what's next. Um, so, you said you recorded and tracked that with your friend, and it was all in his basement. Was that who you recorded with before as well? Yeah. Yeah. All of our releases have been done with him. He's sort of like a fourth member of the band. And uh, yeah, we did the entire record with him, and I'm 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 really proud sonically of, of how everything turned out. Yeah, man. He uh, does he do it professionally, or is this this kind of like a hobby of his? Well, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, he he comes out of the uh, music scene of Long Island. Uh, you know, from the early 2000s, has been playing in bands and and trying to produce bands and and so forth. And I think he was sort of in the studio game for a while, just predominantly focusing on like more audio engineering stuff and. When he uh, moved down to Atlanta, he actually started a record label and, and we became fast friends. So, yeah, this is his, uh, we have a saying, we, we don't golf. So this is what him and I do. So he gets his bread and butter. Gotcha. So he, he's, he has no hobbies other than music too then, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like if him and I aren't working or, or spending time with our significant others or whatever, it's like, yeah, th- this is what we do. So um, actually, before we get into the next track, do you have any crazy band stories either from this band or it could be another band, but like something that you were just like, whoa. The amount of times I've gotten asked this question, you would think I would have a better answer, 
I honestly don't have something super cool. Oh, you know what? This isn't crazy, but it's something I'll never forget. One of our first shows back, this was in the fall of, yeah, 2021. So we were vaccinated and everything, but rates were still increasing a little bit. Uh, this is <laughs> this is when like Delta was kind of a thing. Yeah. So th- this was a very, there's this venue that's outdoors in Atlanta called Bo- uh, Box Social House. And it was socially distanced, mask and, uh, required, vaccination cards were required. So all the proper procedures uh, were taken. But anyway, we played this acoustic show with a hero of mine uh, named Brendan Kelly. He plays in a, a band called the Lawrence Arms. Yeah, uh, the, there's not a whole lot more I can say about that. He's, he's my favorite songwriter, favorite band. And we had a chance to open up for him. And so we played our set outside, whatever, just taking a break, uh, had a couple of drinks. And I, I go back through the doors and, and I see Brendan's by our merch table and he starts pointing at me. This motherfucker's not pointing at me. Like, no, no way. And uh, he's like, come here. <laughs> and I'm like, what's up, man? And he goes, hey, don't take this the wrong way. You guys weren't half as bad as I thought you were going to be. And I started cracking up. Like it was, it was, it was the best. It's not a compliment, but it was the funniest, coolest thing my hero could have said to me. So, anyways, I'll never, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, that's actually pretty hilarious. It's, it's kind of yeah. like a backhanded compliment, but at the same yeah, time, yeah, he's not saying we're good. He's not saying it'll be yeah, nothing positive. It's just like, yo, I thought y'all were gonna, you know, be terrible, but. You were, but not as much as I thought you were going to be. So it was enough to win. call you over and give you some recognition. It was enough to let me know that was the beautiful part about it. Yeah. Oh man, that is, that is pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> and he recognized you too. Your hero recognized you from being on stage. Well, <laughs> yeah. In fairness, I actually pre-COVID, I actually interviewed him on a tour. Uh, he was opening on the Bad Religion tour a couple of years ago, and so and so I think that's like in his drunken sort of stupor or whatever. He kind of you know, record is like, Oh yeah, I know these guys. And he called me over, but yeah, it, it, it was cool. It was, it was definitely, you know, out of all the BS and trauma we had been over the last borderline two years at that point, it was like, man, like there's still, there's still, this is a glimmer of hope I can hold on to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's really cool. All right. Uh, are you ready to get into the next track? Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about this next one. Um, don't remember whether it was fully fleshed out before COVID or not, not that that matters, but, um, it was about, it is about a dear friend of ours uh, named Nathan Childers, who plays the band, uh, called Smallville. And, uh, whenever we play, uh, Nashville, we play his, uh, house. He, uh, he, he is, is prominent in the, like, sort of like the house show DIY scene, uh, in Nashville. And his uh, his booking agency, for lack of a better term, is called uh, Beehive Booking, and so that's where I got this uh, this name Apiarist. Apparently, uh, it means beekeeper or something like that. Again, not well read. I'm not an erudite or whatever, but uh, yeah. So the song is sort of an ode to him and how he always uh, has supported us over the years and gave us a place to stay. And yeah, it's sort of about just being in sort of a dead end band that's not really going anywhere, but made some dear friends along the way ah oh, that that is so cool uh just like a shout out to your friend and mm-hmm. all right um and this this actually let me let me correct something i totally botched his his i'm sorry his booking agency is uh rain dance booking his venue 
it's called the beehive. Sorry. He never let me live that down. If he uh, ever hears this. So I had to, I had to correct that. Uh, that's, that's too funny. So, all right. We'll, we'll see what we can do about that uh, correction. And no, 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 you don't have to edit it at all. <laughs> no, it's I'm... even funnier if he hears me bot, uh, butcher it. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's awesome. But I corrected myself within a fairly short time span. So that's all that matters. Absolutely. And this was recorded around the same time. As... This was, uh, yeah, we, we pretty much did all the same. Well, we did all the songs in a, in a relatively short time span. You know, we will go through and do drums the first, you know, day or two and then try to do all the guitars in a day and maybe uh, vocals would take a couple days. But yeah. Before we hop into that, how can we find you? So we're most prominent on Instagram or most active rather. That's just the underscore Carolyn on Instagram. And then Facebook and Twitter is the Carolyn Music uh, on the major streaming platforms, Bandcamp, uh, email the Carolyn Official at Gmail. Yeah, find us. What? What's next for you guys? Uh, the most pressing thing, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but we're leaving for Germany, I want to say mid-June, and we'll be there until first week of July. And yeah, that's, that's the, the major thing on, on my, uh, uh, on the horizon right now. And then we'll be playing throughout the fall in the States. That's sick. That's really awesome. Have you guys ever done? Yeah, any- we're excited. Yeah, I bet. Have you guys ever done anything like that before? Um, well, we were booked in 2020 for this uh, particular festival and it, you know, everything shut down and we were, we were booked every year subsequently, but it, it even, you know, last winter things were not not good there so so yeah third time's the charm i guess we've literally been on this thing three years in a row at this point and i really really hope everything works out man yeah i i got i got my fingers crossed for you because that will be yeah, thank an you. incredible experience yeah shout out to gunner records by the way he's been a total sweetheart and uh has been our partner over there for putting out this uh, new record so yeah it's it's been great awesome all right. Since I'm still having trouble pronouncing your songs, uh, go ahead and introduce this one in your best radio voice again. <laughs> All right. Hey, this is uh, Andrew from the Carolyn. The song is called The Apiarist.
Sick. Thank you, man. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us? I guess I don't know when this is uh, premiering, but we have a new song coming out tomorrow, uh, May 11th, and that is one month away from uh, the release of our new record. Uh, So, yeah, that's coming out uh, via 59X Records in the States, and then... uh, our friend uh, Gunner is putting out uh, putting it out on his record label uh, for the European uh, audience. So yeah, cool, awesome, and I think this is slated to be out five weeks from now. So it'll be around the time your uh, perfect your album drops. So yeah, yeah, definitely, it's perfect timing. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, and again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, it's, I love doing these things anytime. Thank you for joining us at In The Core. Join us next week for another exciting interview. Well, for you.